0: Welcome to the Show Me Education podcast. Join us as we share best practices and show you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. The mission of the Show Me Education podcast is to share stories that resonate with you and allow you to walk away feeling energized and inspired to improve education in your own community. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the learning. Welcome to the Show Me Education podcast. This is episode two. My name is John Schuler, and I'm your host today. I'm a leadership development specialist for the Central Regional Professional Development Center in Warrensburg, Missouri at the University of Central Missouri. You can contact me on Twitter at Schuller 2 that's J-S-C-H-U-L-E-R. You also can follow the show at Show Me Education on Twitter and on Facebook today i had a great conversation with emily cross the assistant superintendent in the ford Sage school district on leadership and planning for professional learning as well as the types of evidence for effectiveness leaders can collect to uh, figure out if their pd is okay the link to the show uh show notes are in are in the description and they are also at bitly/showme.edu slash now uh, at the very beginning of our interview, we apologize, there is some feedback and a little bit of echoing in my the beginning of my conversation with Emily, but please stick with it. It doesn't last long uh, because this is a great conversation and I promise that you'll learn a lot. Okay, now on to our interview with Emily Cross. All right, hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Schuler, and with me today is Emily Cross and I'm going to let Emily introduce herself but she is the Assistant Superintendent for Education Services at the Fort Osage R1 School District. So thank you for doing this interview, Emily, and and welcome. Um, I thought we'd start out by just um, you sharing a little bit about what your current position entails and um, and this is sort of a two-part question here. What share what your current position entails, and what uh, professional journey led you to that position?
1: Okay. Well, as hello. always, Dr. Schuler, I enjoy our time together. Um Hello. hello. I'm, I'm Ross, Ross, and I'm assistant I'm like superintendent, superintendent of educational services for the Florida, Florida Sage School State State District. District. And under so my own supervision. Principal, oh, pre-K, 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 twelve, 12, 12. Uh, school, uh, so, so I, I, comprehensive I, school improvement plan process review, revision, implementation, uh, staff development, anything that falls under that, um, federal programs, and student support. So that is that's me, and and everything that I have my hands in a little bit. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a big job actually. Um but it's um, um led me here. Got my undergrad in teaching and thought I'd be in the classroom for 30 years 30 years and um I actually happened to um work for a leader that wasn't that great and I thought maybe I could do this just a little bit better and so I went in and got my administrative degree and um, during that time I um, saw a need for new teachers and feeling like they weren't getting support or struggling teachers weren't getting support so I proposed a position leader leadership position to the board of education in Belton school district and um was able to be an instructional coach half the day and teach half the day, which was actually the best job I think I ever had. And uh, then after a year of doing that, I saw a position open up in Fort Osage to open a brand new elementary school. And that was in 2007. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to get this, but I threw my name in the hat anyway, and was hired uh, to open Indian trails elementary here. And so after uh, 13 years of serving that community. I was ready for a different challenge, and that's what led me to this position.
0: Okay. Well, that you know, it's weird because how long were you in that position that you you basically created, right, at Belton? How long were you in that position? One year. One year, and then you went from that to being the hired as the building. Yeah, principal, so was, building
1: principal. I was hired a year in advance, which mm-hmm. is. Often not heard of, yeah. um, but I just had—I don't know what it was—but I felt this calling to apply for that position. Not that I was unhappy in the position yeah. I was in, but um, but I think everything happened for a reason.
0: Yeah, of course, it, you know, and and having known you uh, that year that you that you were hired and, and afterwards, of course, it's really interesting to me because. You just seem to come in with so much knowledge, you know, to begin with. What do you, what do you ascribe that to? I mean, you had all this like information. I mean, you were holding up, opening up a new school, and you seem to, you know, was it your graduate program? Was it? I mean, what did what what was it?
1: Oh, I think that everything contributes on your learning journey, and I think I was intentional about learning as much about what to do as what not to do. Um, and I think that empowered me. Uh, but I also think that there was a level of healthy fear when I signed on the dotted line and said, I was going to open a new school. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe I fooled some people a little bit too, but, um, but, um, really just the drive to create a learning environment that I knew was possible. I think right. that's just what kept me going and asking the right questions and connecting with the right people. Um, but, uh, I do believe and you and I've talked about this a lot. Whenever you're passionate about something, um, mm-hmm. you're going to find a way to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's what that was.
0: Well, that's, that's great. Um, and it's, and it's interesting. So you had 13 years of teaching experience, really, um, because you were half-time teaching. So
1: at, well, no, I was actually eight years teaching oh, okay. Thirteen um, as principal.
0: Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it okay. And
1: okay. I just finished. Yeah. So I just finished my 22nd year in education.
0: Okay. Wow. All right. That's good. That's a good journey. So how would, how would you describe your leadership style?
1: Oh geez, maybe I should ask you how you would describe my leadership style. Um, okay, I think I'd have to just—I'll pick a few different things. I love um, what Brene Brown says, which is "clear as kind," and I believe that that um, defines me really as a leader. Um, some people might um, call that being direct. Uh, some people might call that um, just being clear and having follow through. Um, but I, I do believe that as a leader, um, I, I walk that walk of clearest kind so that um, anyone and everyone who I serve um, understands what I'm thinking and there's no guesswork with that. Uh, I also, and I say this often, but I feel like I am the leader that people invite me to be, because while we need to lead a collective group, we also need to be very much the leader um, for individuals in our organization. Um, I almost think that that matters most uh, because we're all in a different place. And so if we don't do that and we don't meet those individual's needs, then we won't grow as an organization.
0: Right. Yeah, that describes it, that describes how I, how, how I would describe it well, because it's you, you know, you quoted Brene Brown, being clear as kind. And, and I also like, um, and this is one, another thing I ascribe to you is uh, something she says is courage is contagious, you know, and I, and I think that that um, describes uh, your journey in a lot of ways, you know, coming out of, you know, where you were into a whole new place, um, and then you know, I saw firsthand, you know, some of the challenges that you had because you basically inherited a bunch of staff members. I mean, you get to hire a bunch, but you also inherited a bunch of people and try to build a team, you know, a brand new team, which is exciting in a new building, but then you still have the old attitudes a lot of time, you know, that came with it. And so um, that that would be another thing that I would definitely ascribe to your leadership style. So,
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so one of the many hats you wear is professional development. And you um, are good at planning it. I've noticed, you know, like, when we work together as building principals, you know, you were very good at, at planning these learning opportunities for your staff. And, um, but when you are envisioning professional development for a school year, like, you know, um, where do you begin? I mean, what resources are you drawing on when you start planning for that?
1: Gosh, that's a big question, actually, it, it is. but uh, I'll start out, I'll try to connect resources in there. But um, one of the things I think about is how do you sit down and have like, OK, at the end of the year, what will I be happy to tell a story about with regard to my staff growth? And so I start there and then I work my way back and I think, okay, how can I connect dots? Because that is the thing for your staff. If they do not see that this connects to this and this connects to this, and this is our why um, Mm -hmm. you lose the learning. Um, Yeah. They might show up for the learning, but um, they're only there physically. (laughs) And not really grasping and absorbing and then embedding into their day. And so that's something that I think is key to how I work even at the district level with regard to professional development. Um, And then I think about, okay, where is everyone? Because like I talked about that collective group piece plus the individuals, um, I need to look at what opportunities am I going to provide the group? as a whole, that tier one professional development, and then what will I be offering for tier two? Uh, because not everybody is, um, is in the same place and, and or working on the exact same things. So we need to also look at how are we looking at data and feedback, that evidence, um, to continue to um, stay the course, but yet respond. Um, that's the thing that I think happens most frequently um, where you can go down the road of ineffective PD is responding to everything and not staying that course to, what did I want my staff to grow in? How did I want them to grow by the end of the year? Uh, as far as resources, I I'm a believer, I read a ton. Um, I am on YouTube a lot, uh, just connecting. I go to a lot of conferences and follow a lot of tracks that are staff development specifically. And I did that as a principal, um, as well as this position, even as a teacher, I actually did that. So I encourage people to go to conferences and to network, um, because you cannot possibly plan for effective PD when you're in a silo. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes that happens and then you're just getting more of the same instead of growing the whole group. So.
0: Okay. So um, you talked about responding and being able to respond and I'm curious, what would be a condition where you would respond by changing things up a little bit? Well, what, 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 what evidence would you be gathering? What would, what would, um, what would lead you to to make a change?
1: So usually what influences those decisions for me is um, academic student achievement data. Uh, So for instance, sometimes we can get um, too big in our endeavors, maybe Mm -hmm. in subject area, for instance, content area. And so then if our student data is not supporting how we have thought we were focused with that, Um, then that might be where I narrow. Doesn't mean I'm changing paths. I'm just shifting that time investment in what is it that the teachers need to then impact that student achievement data. Um, Sometimes it is actual feedback from teachers and those who were serving for this professional development um, in that maybe the way we're presenting it is not effective for them. And so I might respond in, Um, we are going to do ed camps and that was the plan throughout the whole school year. But the feedback from my team is this isn't working. I don't feel like I'm gathering the information I need or um, it's not going as in depth as I would like it to go. Um, And then sometimes evaluations. So I I shouldn't say sometimes, oftentimes um, if I see a pattern of, um, implementation from professional development experiences, that then might um, make me rethink the pace that we're going at uh, for that professional development. Or do I need to have some breakout sessions that maybe not everyone is attending, but some people are so that they can catch up to the rest of the group?
0: I like everything you said, but one of the you know, a thing that stood out to me just now was how you were talking about seeing effective implementation as a direct result of the professional development the professional learning opportunities you've given. So as a, as a building or district leader, um, would you consider that um, one of the main responsibilities of planning professional development, like to plan for that um, assessing whether or not it's, it's happening in the classroom or not? I
1: think it has to be a key component of what you're doing, because if it's not, um, what is the measure, what, you know, what is the outcome that we're looking for? Um, as a principal, I wasn't always good at that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I feel like I was, um, I did it, but I don't think I necessarily did it intentionally. Yeah. Year I was a principal. Uh, and so one of the things that I, in this role that I'm working with principals on is, okay, we're investing in consultant fees, right? We're getting these people in, we're having them work with our teachers. Now let's get a non-negotiable list from those PD opportunities that then we're communicating with teachers to say, this is our follow-through. This is our follow-up. This is what we need to see. Because if not, if we never do that, we're never going to be able to know if we're investing our, um, our money in the right places. And uh, I think sometimes that gets lost in the planning piece.
0: You know, one of the things that, that as a principal and now a practitioner or consultant who goes into schools and, and uh, provides professional learning, you know, I, I work mostly with um, administrators, you know, but, but I still um, have to be very intentional about the reflection part of it. And do you, as a, a team, a leadership team in your district. Do you all reflect on um, the, the professional learning after you've had it? Um, or at what points do you discuss and reflect on that?
1: Uh, one of the things that I'm new, I'm implementing that is a little bit new uh, because I think we have had room to improve in this area, is really ensuring that our professional development committee is uh, operating in parallel with our district leadership team. Okay. And um, part of that is the reflection process. And so we use what is called kick up for our feedback. Um, and our, well, it can be um, anonymous, but a lot of our teachers actually add their email. Right. Um, really good. Um, and I think evidence of us being growth minded and uh and supportive so what we're doing is really analyzing that feedback by building and then at the district level to see um is the structure of pd effective is the content of pd effective Uh, is the amount of time we're using effective in certain areas and um that and redefining so in that reflection process redefining a common understanding of what professional development is, because I think uh, as an organization, you have to all have a good understanding of that to really reflect together. So for I'll give you an example. Um, Collaboration. Is collaboration professional development? And what needs to be a part of collaboration for your organization to feel like that is professional development? And so those are the things that we have been doing throughout the reflective process this year.
0: And that sounds fantastic. You know, um, my students right now are are learning about adult learning theory in sort of a historical context, and I'm sure all of them would agree that that it it's it's a good description in in our book that we're reading. It's a good description historically of adult learning theory. You know, just going down up to now. You know, and Michael Fulan's work and everything else. But you know, one of the things Michael Fulan says was that. You know student learning depends on every teacher learning all the time and is that something that your teachers know is that something that they believe or and how do you how do you get them there if
1: if they don't well as a principal i can speak to that i'm still working on that again at this level um i very much believe that everything you do needs to connect to your mission and um and living your mission and okay at the school I led um, it was very important for me for every teacher to understand how they contributed to that Mm -hmm. and so I broke that down into leading and learning and no one could get off the hook for the learning part yeah and um and we were asset minded. And we looked at what are the assets that every member of our team brings. And then that's might be actually where they're learning from because we know great strengths come from that. And so, um, then that also put them into a leader, a lead learner role. And so I believe I was getting to where I was very happy and pleased with the accountability, um, the intrinsic motivation, the accountability amongst the team with that. Uh, But I 100% agree with that statement. I mean, if we're not learning and we're not choosing to learn every single day in the classroom um, Mm -hmm. with the students that present themselves on that day, um, then we're doing a disservice. So to answer your question about in my current role, we still have a lot of work to do. um, Because I think that some not I think, I know that there are passive learners and, um, and we can't be passive learners in the field of education, especially in the year 2021. I mean, we just experienced a year that illustrates that you can't, you have to be an active learner to stay ahead.
0: You know, what I like about statements, that statement and all the, you know, statements we've been talking about, and it really transcends content. It transcends, you know, whether you're a core teacher or an exploratory teacher it transcends whether you're a um, a building principal or a director of a career center uh, transcends you know whether you're special ed or regular ed you know and so I, I think that you know that's something that um, I don't know how good a job I did as a principal you know with making sure that that everything uh, that it was clear that everything, that it did transcend everything. Because sometimes we get caught up in, you know, math and ELA, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to sort of spread out and and realize that, you know, everybody from, you know, the the mechanics, you know, the car mechanic teacher to the kindergarten teacher needs to know that, you know, their learning is going to uh, be something that um, will only increase their students' performance, you know, but uh, increasing their learning and yeah. demonstrating their learning, you know, like modeling here's here I am, I'm learning. still. you know, I think that's as a leader, that's something that I know you value. And and it's just, uh, I think it's really important.
1: Well, and what you speak to, that was something that our professional development committee worked on this year was um, our our focus areas moving into next year, um, not every person who serves kids in the classroom um, could have been connected to each of our focus areas before. And through just new learning of my own, I was reflecting on that and I thought, okay, if you are the automotive instructor, you need to be able to connect to every focus area we have just as well as the kindergarten teacher and so we really had a lot of good dialogue about that and so our focus areas are effective instruction student support and culture of belonging it doesn't matter where you teach or where you serve kids in our district Every one of those you can connect to. And so that is the work we're proud to move forward with next year, because again, we got to get everyone involved and everyone connected to, to help move everybody.
0: All right. Well, Emily, thank you very much for taking the time today to talk to me and talk to my students and talk to our podcast audience. And so it's, it's been fantastic as always. And, um, I want to thank you. Is it okay if um, people connect with you, uh, if they have any questions?
1: Definitely. I'd love that. All
0: right. All right. Well, thanks again. And um, hopefully we'll get to do this again soon.
1: Thank you. See you later, John.
0: I want to thank our guest, Emily Cross, for being on the show today. And thank you all for listening. If you have any thoughts that you'd like to share on social media, you can uh, contact us at, at Show Me Education on Twitter or Facebook. And I'm at, at J Schuller2 that's J S C H U L E R 2 on Twitter. Our next podcast will be in two weeks on September 15th. Until then, keep up the great work. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Education podcast. Be sure to share your learning from the show with others. The Show Me Education podcast is a collaborative project between the regional professional development centers of Missouri with a vision of sharing best practices and showing you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. Please subscribe to the show to catch all the wonderful content coming your way.